and we are starting. So, thank you very, very much for coming this evening. I really believe that the church is being built on you men. So, look around the room. These are the men that God is using to build the church. It's you guys. And so, I thank you. I know there's several guys <clears throat> that called me uh, tonight and just couldn't make it. Um, and uh, they wanted to be here, but they had different emergencies come up. But you guys are here. And so tonight what we want to do is we want to take a look at this whole topic of our commitment to our communities. So if you'll note in the uh, fine notes that you've been handed, Man Up Course, Leading the Way in Our Communities, Session 5, February 22, 2012, Alpino. So let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for these guys. I, I do thank you for... Um, just their, their commitment. I know each one of these men loves you. I know that uh, those that are married love their wives. Those that have children love their children. I know these single guys here want to walk in purity and, and righteousness. It really is an honor to stand before them. I, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would be their joy tonight. Wherever each one of them is in their heart and their mind, whatever struggles they're going through, whether, whatever things they would like that they don't have, or perhaps situations they're in that they would like to be out of. Lord, I pray they take their focus down, put it on you, and, and you would be their joy, you would be their life, that no job, no relationship, no position, no success, as they would define it, can give them life. Only you can give them life. The rest is, they're but shadows that reflect your glory. But you have life. So may we be men that live for you and, and aren't fooled by the substitutes. And find our life in you. God, that's my prayer. I pray that you would bring more men. I pray we'd go out and, and call others in the highways and the byways. And by our example, by our words, by, by our lives, they would ask, tell me, tell me what, what you have that I don't have. And we could simply share Jesus. That's my prayer. Lord, this evening, giving us, give us a vision to reach out to our communities. Uh, we're all busy. We can get a bit myopic, focused on our little worlds school, home, work, family. Lord, give us a vision for the community. And uh, may your name be glorified in this city, in this city, in this area of South Florida. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right, men, let's start with the opening line here. Doctor Profesor Roberto Maguna Goicochea. No, 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 es un honor. No, 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 no. Esta noche es una noche especial. ¿Y dónde está el vino? <laughs> okay, man, look at, the, look at the opening line there. Tonight is about a very important truth in Scripture. God cares about the poor, the weak, the defenseless. He cares about justice. He really does. And so let's take a little sampling in our, in our texts here. Let's just have a few of you men read these out loud. Let's... Let's take one guy from over here, the young bucks. One young buck, read Leviticus 19, 10, and 15. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. So God really doesn't like it. When the poor are taken advantage of. Now you can, you need to think this through. Uh, 
I wish Cal Beisner were here tonight. He's, he's, is he in Uganda yet? He is. I've been praying for him. I threw an email to uh, the guy that works with him. Forget Doug. Doug, yeah. And uh, ask how your dad's doing. It's, I, I've been on Facebook. I haven't seen any postings, so your mom's not around any computers. Do you know how they're doing? They haven't contacted me. Okay. So I assume that means they're good. All right. <laughs> well, I know, I know Cal's done a lot of deep thinking about justice. Guys, I was going to be I was going to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer. That's a, that's a very wonderful profession and if God leads any of you men to do that, you young men, go for it, man. We need good lawyers. Um, we need men that are that are they're going to do justice and not just try to get money and and oppress people that are weak and uh, oppress nations that are weak. God cares about that. God cares about that. And uh, Aubrey, why don't you read Proverbs 21.3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Okay. So, righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, this is to Jews. I mean, sacrifice is the whole deal. I mean, that's... that's but I think that, that Solomon here is, is, is being extreme for a reason. It's important. Gary, why don't you read Proverbs 21.15. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Okay, so so justice is something that is a joy, should be a joy to us. What is just? We should think it through. What is just? What is right? These things are very, very important. Okay, David, would you lead? Uh, David Lindemann, would you read uh, the Micah six eight? This is a key one here. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. Well, it's pretty hard to, you know, get much more specific than that. You want to know what to do? You do justice. You 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 love kindness. You walk humbly with your God. So, whether that's at work, we heard about that last month with Raphael. Whether it's in the community, which is what we're talking about today, whether it's at home, uh, we are to do right. We're to do just things. We we should stand up for what is right. Even when it's unpopular, we should treat people fairly. Um, we should work hard. This is what God wants of us. We should love kindness and, and walk humbly with our God. Okay, so moving now to the to the New Testament. So this is the Old Testament. God is the same God in the Old and the New. So in the Old, there's a lot about justice. We could we could spend a really a long time reading about justice. But now let's look at what Jesus says. Jesus fulfilled the law. And he calls us to walk, in a, to walk in such a way as to bless the Lord and do good to others as it is in our means to do so. Alright? So, uh, Jose Fabregas, why don't you read that Matthew 5 section? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so last month we heard from Raphael, and I thought it was a great point, that one of the ways we witness at work is we actually do good work. We work hard. And that actually brings glory to God. It gives glory to our Father. Now, some people might not recognize it, um, but, but it does. It does. Now, we often we want to follow it up 
you know, with, with words of testimony, but doing a good job brings glory to God. Well, I would say, I believe that Jesus here as well is not just talking about work, although that's, I think, a primary application, but he's talking about doing good works. Now, do these good works save us? Well, no, of course not. But good works may not save us, but we were saved for good works. Uh, actually, I'm going to preach that this Sunday. Ephesians 2, 8, 8 through 10. Good works do not save us. But oh my, when God saved us on the only good work that would satisfy him, that's Christ, he then tells us he saved us to walk in good works and works that he prepared beforehand. Remember I preached a couple of weeks ago out of Ephesians 1, 3 through um, 7. And in verse 4 it says that he called us. You know, it's that eulogy, we're praising God for who he is and what he did. And in verse 4 it says, he called us from the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. And I believe now in, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that I'm going to preach this Sunday, he's going to point back to that verse. And he's saying, okay, if he called you to be holy and blameless, that means he actually called you. There are good works prepared specifically for you. And I believe that part of those good works are in the community. Are in the community. I fully believe that. All right, so let's read uh, Marcos. Why don't you read Proverbs 11, 10, and 11. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright, a city is extolled. And to, <clears throat> is extolled. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. All right, so what do we read here? I, I believe the way God set up the earth, that when the righteous... When, when men who love God are doing well, when they're, when they're doing what they're supposed to do, when they're doing good works, the city is exalted. Now, I know that many times that's not the case. I know many times cities may not say that or, or you, know, you may not hear that, but I believe that. I believe a land is blessed when men are doing the kind of good works that God has called them to do. And then Jeremiah 29.7. This is a powerful one, guys. This one, this one has legs, okay? Kipper, why don't you read this one with legs? But seek the welfare of the city where I have set, sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Okay. So I, I think, I realize the context of that is of, is of the Jews in exile. I understand that. But I believe there's an application. I believe there's an application to today. That we're to actually seek the welfare of our city. That, that, that God calls us to bless our cities and lead in our communities as godly men. I love this quote from Ramon Campo Amor. Now, I, I heard this quote in the mouth of Manolito Fonseca, a Cuban man. All right? So actually, it's in Spanish. It's translated into English. But I love this quote. Those that live in a city need to live in it in such a way that the city feels proud of having had him live in it. I like that quote. I like that quote. I, I think that the theology that this church embraces, which is a full-orbed, reformed theology, biblical theology, that sees God as sovereign, that, that from beginning to end God has a plan, that thinks of this earth not as a place that's just going to be burned up. You know, it's not a sinking ship, and so therefore, why polish the brass on a sinking ship? Let's get off of it as soon as possible. No, no, no. God's going to restore this earth. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out. I'm really not. Okay? But I think we're going to be surprised when we get into the other side of eternity how much what we did here really does follow into the next world and, and, and what that next world's going to look like. 
It's going to be a restored heaven and a restored earth, guys. Okay? And so that should give us a vision. You know, we're not just fleeing a house that's on fire. And let's just go get to heaven. No, no. God's called us to turn around and work on that house. Okay? I think that's very important. So that next paragraph there in the notes. So let us live, let us live as men in a fashion as to bless our cities and shine the light of the gospel on them in such a way that they will glorify God and perhaps say that they feel proud of us having lived in it. Let us work to leave it a better place than we found it. Listen, this is not a new idea. This is not a new idea. If you look at many of the hospitals and the universities, particularly in this country, they were founded by the church. Why? Because there was a need. And so the church says, we're going to go and we're going to help. We're going to meet that need. I don't know if you know this, but in the first century, Christians uh, often would go to trash heaps where people would throw their babies. I mean, you know, uh, Rome, Roman Empire was very brutal, very brutal on the poor, very brutal on the weak. And the Christians were the ones that went out and rescued the defenseless and went out and helped the weak. And, 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 and they were the one. they were on the forefront of that. And so we're called to do the same thing. So even as you're thinking here, you know, what this means is that suddenly you don't just think about yourself, your interests, what you want to do, but suddenly you're thinking, all right, I've got a little bit of extra time. Where can I volunteer? Now, I'm not talking about in the church. I'm talking about outside the church. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know? Because guess what's going to happen when you do volunteer outside the church? You're going to meet people. And hopefully, your example is going to rub off on them. Now, yes, there are things we want to do in the church, and, and David's going to talk about a few of those things. But, but we, we should be ready. We should be the ones that are ready. You know? And then when we go, we're not shy about sharing our faith. We're not shy about sharing the reason that we do this. We're, we're like those first century um, uh, believers. We're out rescuing those that are weak, rescuing those that are defenseless. We're, 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 trying to, we're trying to help them. Okay? So let me just ask you guys a question. Just, just to stir up some thinking. If, if you were to volunteer somewhere in this city, just, just thinking out loud, where would you volunteer? What, what needs have you seen? And you think, you know what? I, I, think, I think maybe I'd want to help there. And this is interactive. This is not a rhetorical question. Any thoughts? I kind of see it from where, what, you know, organization has God put around me. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, providentially brought, you know, close to me. And I think of CBC. Okay. And I think of, uh, um, right, uh, Heartbeat. Heartbeat, thank okay. you. Okay. Heartbeat and CBC, so great. Those, those are two that are right in our backyard. So great. that kind of just jumps out of me Good. when you ask the question. Good. I like it. Has anybody here volunteered? In, in a, yes. It's interesting you asked that. Uh-huh. I, just last week, when Nando and Cindy were still here, uh-huh. Ned asked me about talking to Jeannie and uh, Martha about helping volunteer to counsel some of the men. Okay. Okay. The women, the men. Okay. And I, I put it off. I just okay. left it alone. And two weeks ago, I talked to him about it. Great. 
Good. So, Holsik, it would be counseling men that, that are affected by abortion at heartbeat. Well, that's just talking to them. The Excellent. The challenge to these ladies is not the family. I think it's the guy. It's the husband. It's the, the boyfriend. Husband, the boyfriend yep. And nobody ever deals with it. Yep. That's excellent. All right, let me just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to want responses, so be thinking. What have you seen on your way to work, driving around, that you say, wow, that's a real need? I think for me, I drive through the hood okay. to work, and I, I actually, I went to Miami Central, so a lot of my friends, um, majority were black, and I see the difference when I finished high school, and when they finished high school, how quickly it was for me to get a job. Okay. So, I mean, I, 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 over the past, like, five years, I probably had, like, 15, 20 different jobs, like, the different uh, contract assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently working on a permanent assignment, I've been on that for about two and a half years, but um, I see all these young black kids coming out of, of, mm-hmm. out of high school, going mm-hmm. to, you know, and they just, they don't, no one really guides them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can, you know, most of these guys are you know, mm-hmm. from single family, mm-hmm. um, so there's not really, you know, and I, I feel like I have a, a gift where I can relate to them okay. and kind right. of show them how the yeah. corporate world, you know. Okay. Okay, this is great, uh, Caesar. This is exactly the kind of thing that that I, I'll just kind of tease out a little bit here. I had a friend that uh, he's a, a strong believer, and he uh, he was an entrepreneur as well. So he started a program. It was a jobs program, private, where he would train and help people get jobs, and actually became a good business. Uh, the sad part about it is that he didn't care for his family like he should have, and and he lost his family. Uh, but it was it was a thriving thing. So I'm not saying that that's something that you might do, but you know what? Maybe pray about it, think about it. See, see where I'm coming from. It doesn't have to necessarily be from Palm Vista. I mean, there are things we're going to do. But you see, if you if you start doing something like that, God gives you a little favor. You start including some of the guys, maybe some of the young guys, and maybe you are able to reach out. And who knows? You know, a, a kind word. Hey, just how to fill out an application, how to dress, maybe helping someone go do an interview, and suddenly someone starts improving and they get a job. And, you know, and, and then you, you're building. First of all, I think God, God is pleased with that, just that right there. Okay? But then obviously that's going to be a doorway into people's lives and sharing the gospel and inviting them to church. And if it's not our church, a church. So, yeah, that's good, Caesar. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Anybody else? I mean, we're stirring things up a little bit here. A need you've seen, maybe a burden you've had, maybe you watch TV and something jumped out of you. Said, "Man, that's just not right." I want to help with that. I've never done one for national politics, but I've had a desire for a long time just to be involved with like city council or mm-hmm. just to be involved with the politics mm-hmm. that happen where I live. Okay, great. So on a local level, which I think is the best level, I think that's where you really things get done. Um, being involved in local politics to serve the community, to better the community, and to do it in an honest way. Okay, great. We need that. Okay? Anybody else? A need you've seen? A... Um, I, I've been a fan of the rescue missions. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not crystal clear on how the one in Miami is set up. Okay. But when, uh, when I was in Raleigh, there was a Raleigh rescue mission. Okay. And... Um, was there to help homeless people, mm-hmm. but it was also there with an expectation that they were trying to leave that. It wasn't okay. just handout, it was helping them with job applications right. and yeah. that kind of thing. And yeah. they even had partnerships with local churches yeah. where they would bring in guys, you know, young guys, right. to 
preach. Right. You know, right there sure. at the rescue mission. Sure. So it, yeah. it was just a good partnership because it was helping people. It was yeah. helping yeah. these young suburban white yeah. guys actually mm -hmm. interact with real sure. people and sure. uh, learn to preach. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, Gary, I think it's called Camilla's House. Someone correct me here. Is that the only one? Is there another? Are there others? Miami Rescue Mission. Yeah, Miami Rescue Miami Mission. Rescue. Okay, got it. Is that right downtown as well? Yeah. yeah. Downtown Miami. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, this is the kind of thing where, you know, obviously you talk with your wife, you know, you pray about it. You know, we, we, we can maybe help with some resources. But I was thinking about this. Think about, think of the skills that we have in here. Okay? I mean, a lot of us just have skills. I mean, it can be a skill of just working your way practically around an engine or putting stuff together. Or, you know, it could be a skill. It could be a technical skill. Hey, it could just be a skill of filling out an application. For some people, they don't know how to do that. And imagine just bringing that simple skill to somebody. It could change their life. Now, obviously, Jesus is going to change their life. But you understand what I'm saying. It, it's the first step. And I think this is the kind of thing that we don't want to miss, that God is, is interested in this. He really is. Uh, I, I was just thinking, you know, actually, it, this just occurred to me just now. There's just two passages that are fascinating when it comes to, let's just take politics for a moment. Uh, you can just listen. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Now, that's an interesting statement. Remember, Paul's writing. Paul's probably writing this when he's in Corinth. All right? He's probably in Corinth about three months. He's under a lot of pressure. And he's writing this about an empire that is starting to persecute Christians. And it's certainly pagan. I mean, forget about anything Christian. All authority, there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. What? Oh, of course, if you have a view of Scripture that is, I think, a biblical theology, a reformed theology, and God is sovereign over all, uh, there, there's nobody that's snuck into office. If they're into office, guess who put them there? <laughs> that creates another whole other set of questions for you, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> all right. And then Titus 3. You know, Titus 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. Men, we should not speak evil of our rulers. Ever. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle. To show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, now that's just practical, isn't it? That's just some practical instruction. Why? Because God's the one that is in charge, not me. And you know... <laughs> Alright, so we're back here. So therefore, what God is saying... As he's saying, keep your opinion to yourself. Don't tell your mom I said that. Keep your opinion to yourself and, and serve and serve and serve. Because you know, you know what we end up doing, a lot of us, is especially in this area, we end up airing our opinions, right? And you know what opinions are. They're just, they're your opinion, right? Right or wrong, right? But God is saying, you respect the authority. You pray for the authority. And God actually put that authority there. Now, obviously, when it's time to vote, you vote your conscience. 
I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when that authority's there, you're working to try to make this place better. And your opinion? Personally? Facebook? Okay. I, you know, Facebook is just an opportunity to expand what my boss told me in the military and just stink up the airwaves, okay? So, I mean, you know, it's like, it's great to, to share, like, events, and it's great to share, like, I think, truth, biblical truth. But when people start bloviating, it is like, oh, my goodness, you know. It's like you got a thousand, you know, commentators, which we all are, right? Because we all want to be God, so my opinion is the most valid one, so I exercise it with all force. Guys, let's not, let's not fall into that trap. Let's, let's serve. Let's have a heart to serve. Okay? See what I'm saying? All right, Richard had a, had a question. Uh, no, no, you already answered it. That okay. God put these people in office that... I don't see how God can put things in office and stuff. Well, <laughs> yo, bro, bro the, the, Caesar, the Caesar that was in office that, that Paul was writing about, he, just because he wanted to, would have people killed. Because he wanted to, I mean, everything was his. And the people had to call him Lord. He was actually deified as a God. And the the reason actually Christians were killed in the Roman Empire wasn't because they said Jesus is Lord. That's not, that wasn't the reason. Particularly for the Romans, that was fine. But you also had to say Caesar was Lord, and they wouldn't say that. So they made an exclusive claim that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's that guy that Paul is saying, was instituted by God. Now, I know, Richard, that opens up a whole other can of worms for me. You know what? I prefer those worms. Because what that tells me is there's not one molecule on this earth that moves or, or, or has its being outside of God's control. Now, I now have to ask God, Lord, why would you put a Caesar in there that's actually killing Christians, your people? Well, because oftentimes God's agenda is different from my agenda. See what I'm saying? So, so that's the thing. It's, it's just, we've got to have that perspective. How can I bless my city? How can I bless these people? How can I pour my life out? How can I engage the culture? And this is that last paragraph there. This is the cultural engagement to which we are called. It is the cultural engagement <clears throat> to which the first and second century Christians met the pagan cities of the Roman Empire and rescued babies from the trash heaps and fed the poor and cared for the weak and the helpless. So, that's our desire. Why? Because that's God's command. God has actually commanded us to do that. And he's commanded us to do that in a way that would bring him honor and glory. So, to that end, I'd like to bring up my friend. David, we're just going to stand. So, if you don't mind, stand right here. Yes, David Behar. All right. Little fake, little fake applause for David. Uh, <laughs> That wasn't even a golf applause, okay? <laughs> All right, uh, so I've got a couple of questions. I asked David to kind of help me out with these questions, and, and I think they're good questions. And in the midst of these questions, if you guys have any thoughts, any questions, what we're trying to do is get a radical vision for serving our community, okay? So David, what is the connection between mercy, and by the way, these are what we're talking about is mercy ministries, this is what they're often called, okay? What is the connection between mercy and manliness, well, we are, uh, you're discussing manliness, manliness uh, and up courses, and I think that um, this area reaching our community is the area of missiology, 
of reaching the lost, of uh, going out into all the world um, with the gospel, and um, what's most important is that our theological understandings guide our missiology, that we are not reaching out to the needy or reaching out to those that need Christ uh, because we feel sorry for them, because we're compelled to do it, because we feel guilty, but it needs to come out of a deep uh, biblical understanding, biblical convictions thought through carefully. And mercy is an important part of a worldview, an important part of a biblical view, because mercy comes from when you have certain powers and certain strengths, certain gifts from God, that you don't use that to uh, take over someone else or to abuse someone else or to take from someone else, but that we as Christians believe that any strength that we have, any power, gift, ability that God has given us is to serve. Like in um, in John 13, when Jesus washed feet, it says, Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the table and took off his, his garments and girded himself with a towel. It was knowing that he had come from God that gives him the ability to stoop to serve. And so many people today believe that manliness is uh, being able to conquer a woman or to do other things where, no, it's to rescue the weak. That's why God gives us strength. That's excellent. Yeah, and, and I think, I, by the way, bro, I have a real passion, I always have, for the black community in Miami. I grew up here. And I, you know, um, these, uh, there's a lot of the black pastors I'm friends with. By the way, February is Black History Month, in case you didn't know that. This would be something that we, okay, should avail ourselves of from. We're just, that's part of mercy, right? Being generous in your spirit is that you want to learn about others. You want them to learn about you. They're different than you are, but you want to, you want to honor them. And so I, I remember talking with some of these, these black pastors that are friends of mine, and we just all, it's like, you know, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning in America is one of the most segregated hours. And I just believe that the gospel is going to change that. Okay, my, my, I went to Thomas Jefferson Junior High, okay, close to Central. Some of my buddies went to Central. I remember when we were, you know, integrated and in the fights and all that. But, but I, just, I just remember seeing and noting, particularly in the black community, and I think somewhat in the Hispanic community too, there's just this false definition of manliness, and it's to go conquer. Now, I understand you've got to be tough. Right in that environment, you grew up. You know, you went to school there. You can't be weak. I understand that part of it, but it, wouldn't it be great to see the gospel change strong men, often physically very strong men, but to take that strength and serve others? I believe that's a better vision for this city. I believe that's a better vision for this community. And, you know, see, that's the kind of vision we should have. See what I'm saying? For our own selves, for our families, but for others, because if, without that vision. The people perish. Now, I mean, Christ ultimately is the answer. See what I'm saying? But it's that kind of thing, you know, and, and, and just to even teach that. I can be strong physically. I can have money, but I'm not going to use it to oppress people. So, yeah, it's great. This is interactive, man, so, so please feel free to, to jump in, okay? Just blurt out something if you want to say something. Okay, all right. Where do you see Palm Vista Community Church at this moment in its history when it comes to this area of mercy ministry? I think it's a wonderful time. Um, having the church plant, this is a time of change, a time that people are uh, looking to the future, are not settled in, you know, it's kind of shocking to come in at the beginning of worship 
um, and see less people. And um, there's there's so much mercy ministry going on on a personal level uh, with adoptions and missionary work, Heartbeat of Miami with CBC. There's so much going on. Um, and at the same time, we have so much so much unity, such a great understanding of grace and God's acceptance and and not pleasing God by our works. There's just there's just so much in a mature church of 15 years uh, with leadership who know what they're doing, who interact well, who know their people. It's a great place to bring people from the outside and and show them what a new community and a new man looks like. I think it's a wonderful opportunity we have to have a mature family that we can bring the community into. Yeah, and this might be the time to share this. Someone, someone gave me a just like an encouraging word, what we would call a prophetic word. Again, this is something that you know, just they feel like the Lord just kind of gave them a sense of this. And it was with this church plant, it's like pruning a tree. Now, if you if you grew up in the city like I did, I I, don't, I didn't understand that very well. I still don't, but I've seen it done enough to know that if you have a beautiful fruit tree, okay, uh, apple tree, pears, whatever orange tree, I don't even know if you prune orange trees, but if you prune certain trees, right after you prune the tree, it literally looks like you killed it, okay, so it's got all these wonderful branches, and you just, if you know what you're doing, you cut them back, cut them back, and you look at it, and you go, oh my goodness, and Palm Vista kind of looks like that right now, and it looks like we've got a really bad haircut, you know, it's just like, <laughs> bzzzt, bzzzt. whoa, um, but, but the word was this, the pruning the pruning was to bring greater fruit, not only here at Palm Vista, but at Sovereign Grace Church Miami. Mm-hmm. Now, so it's it's a it's a time of I think different guys stepping up because we have to. We've gotten younger. We've lost some of our key leaders, um, and I think the Lord's going to be bringing some new people. That's why I, when I look around in this room right here, guys, you guys, you guys, I'm excited because we've been together a long time. And I think there's some greater fruitfulness in your lives as well. So, anyways, I would agree with that. What should one do if they think mercy ministries are lacking in their life or at Palm Vista? I would say if you want to go, you need to stay and pray. And I don't, I don't, I know me personally, my life, I've never truly experience what I would like to in prayer, and I think it's, it's essential that we learn what it's like to get alone with God for three or four hours and be able to pour out our hearts and have something to say to God and have something for God to say to us. I think that we, we, we make too many excuses for ourselves in not being able to set aside time and, and, and spend time with the Lord. And, and so if we have a burden, we should find other people that have a burden, we should be praying. And, and be sure that whatever we do, um, it's because God sends us. That's good. That is very good. All right. What biblical understanding do you think produces true mercy ministry? What biblical understanding produces true mercy ministry? I think we, we the biggest problem we have as Christians is to forget how big the gospel is that the gospel is not something that we preach for people to become a Christian, and then after you're a Christian, you learn how to do what God wants you to do, but that the gospel is something that we live with every single day. And I think that we have, it's very easy for us to reduce the gospel to the Roman road, 
or to the four spiritual laws <coughs> where um, the gospel is, is such an immense truth that we never fully understand what it is. And I think that we need to continually challenge ourselves to recognize the greatness of the gospel. Not only that, like, tell my kids, we say we want to not be pleasing to men, we want to be pleasing to God. But what does that mean? Does that mean that, like, we want to work really hard so God will be happy with us? That's not what it means. And, and so um, this idea of the gospel, like we're learning in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, it says that God put all things under Christ's feet, things in the heavens, things in the earth, things from eternity past, eternity future. All things are under God. So we're like way up in the throne. It says, and you were dead in your sins and trespasses in which you formerly walked. So come all the way down to our personal lives, um, even as the rest. And so we see other people around us, the people that we care about are lost just like we were. And then it says, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his, of his kindness towards us. Mm. So we're back up at the throne. You know, by grace you are saved through faith for good works. And we're back here. And I think in our prayers and in our understanding of the gospel, there needs to be a continual going all the way up to the throne, coming back all the way down to our personal lives. Mm. This, this perspective mm. of God's doing great things mm. On the earth, as I was saying, that there's this reconstruction project going on by God, and it's going to be complete one day. And we're going to be over all of our sins. We are going to make it to perfection or to sinlessness, and the world, the earth, is going to be in a great state. And so we are fighting and pushing back against the curse, fighting and pushing back against evil. So all our lives are, are involved in this great construction project that God has going on. I think that that just understanding that the gospel is so much deeper, mm -hmm. so much greater and bigger than we can imagine, yeah. that we need to always be pushing the boundaries of our understanding of the gospel. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, so, so for example, when you drive to work and you see those things, maybe just jot it down. That's a prayer request. And so, and so it'll germinate in prayer, and then over time the Lord may give you a, a couple of thoughts. Okay, there is so much to be done in the world. How do we know what God is calling us to do? Well, I think you said it best when you said we're all very busy. And that's, that's something that, for me, is a, a huge struggle. You know, do we want to take time away from our kids? Do we want to, you know, how much should we work? How much should we be involved in Mercy Ministries? That's just a very personal calling that God has for us. But... I think it's really important that if we're not showing our kids what it's like to sacrifice and to serve, especially when we can bring them with us, to see, to see my daughter painting the, excuse me, but the, the deformed faces of the children at the Shriners, mm. and to see her up close and painting the face and mm. interacting with them when without, she's comfortable around people with disabilities. Mm. And, and so it's, it's, yes, we didn't do that to do this, but I, I think that we have to realize that we have a tremendous scarcity and tension of time and resources, and at the same time we recognize that, that there's this structure that, of proximity, that, that God calls us to be faithful to our families, the one who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel, and to our church, first to the household of God, to good to all, especially to the household of God, and then to the other ends of the earth, so that there's 
just very personal and interactive with what God's bringing into our, our lives. And then as a church, I think it's very important that we first of all know all of the things that are going on in our world and in our community. And so it's important, it was not boastful for us to know what Caesar's doing with, with, you know, in his life. And it's good for us to know, yeah, our church does something with that. We got a guy who does that. Our church does something about abortion. We got um, Heartbeat of Miami. Our church does something about orphans. We got people working at, at, so our church does something about adoptions. We have, so we know that our church is a community. And so we, we, yeah, we're doing stuff separately, but we should all know what one another's doing. And then our church should have a specific one or two ministries that we do yeah. as a church. So we need to know everything that's going on, where people are doing something about it, and then know what our church is called to. Yeah, and to that end, uh, David, why don't you just share a little bit about what we're trying to kind of get going here and, and how you're doing that. And uh, just, just give them a little, this is sort of, think of it as a clearinghouse, okay? So. Well, we called it the connection. Um, we, we want uh, to, to make connections. We want to make connections between the church and the community. We want to make connections between members, one another. Um, and, and we want to have a permanent place, a table in the lobby where people can come and say, I have a neighbor who, who you know, just, just is going through chemo and, you know, they don't have anyone to cook for them. And, and other people to come to the table and say, you know, I can cook for people. And then to have someone, hopefully in a database one day, but maybe some gifted people that God calls, to say, oh, I know just the person to meet that need. Let's make this connection. And um, so that's, that's basically, basically the idea, to have a place where we can go to to yeah. find out what God's calling us to do. Yeah. And so, so David has been get, trying to gather some data and again, act as sort of that clearinghouse. I mean, if, I don't know if you caught it just now. His his daughter is is doing the face painting down at the Shriners, right? Which is a hospital for children with disfigurements and 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 disabilities. So she's going down there. You taking her, Carmen's taking her just to serve. Yeah. So I mean, that's something he's just doing. But I mean, you know, even like just sometimes just hearing someone else doing that, right? And yeah, I know. You know, we've all got kids. I'm like, wow, you know, can I tag along? And it's like a wildfire, you know. And it's, we can't do it all, right? We can't do it all, but we can do something. We can do something, okay? All right, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you, man. Thank you. We're going we're to conclude our evening with some very special guests. So um, you've heard of Heartbeat of Miami, okay? We have the executive director here, Martha Avila. And is that your husband? This is my husband. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Yes. Yes, thank you for he's, coming. He's driving Miss Martha around after right. the accident, and I'm not driving yeah. yet. Yeah, so Martha. Martha. Martha was in a very bad accident recently. Mm-hmm. We're, we thank God that He saved her and protected her. Uh, what I wanted you to hear about, actually, Jose, it's very interesting you brought it up. Is not only about Heartbeat of Miami. We all heard, saw the uh, little video a couple of weeks ago with Jeannie Pernia, who's here, director of the the Hialeah branch there. But there's an initiative with men. And, I, and, and, and Martha asked if she could share that, and I said, by all means, we're your friends here. We, for those of you who don't know, Heartbeat of Miami was started by a guy named John Enzor, 
And one of the first churches he came to was our church, and one of the first testimonies that was given was a lady by the name of Cindy Irizarry. As she, since then, she and her husband Nanda moved up to Baltimore. But uh, Cindy was very courageous in that testimony. She shared about the abortions that she had and how God was using her. And it just opened things up, and it actually opened things up for Jeannie. Jeannie's testimony, you heard when she spoke at the church about a month ago. And so it's that kind of wildfire, guys, that we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? That you don't know until you hear someone, oh, that's what you're doing. And then you go do it, and then suddenly goes, well, and then you meet someone else, and he'll have you do something else that's totally different. But, you know, that's how it gets started, connections, right? That's how God moves, right? So I said, all right, Martha, why don't you come, share with us. Would you rather be seated, or can you be standing? Okay, I'm recording the, the proceedings, so if you could stand right here, uh, because it, uh, it, I'm recording it on this thing right here. So Martha and Jeannie, can we welcome them, guys? Good evening, and thank you so much, Pastor Al, and everyone here. And um, where's David? David is, he was one of our pioneers. It seems like a very long time ago, but it's only been, you know, like, what, almost five years, but not long. And uh, we might still be the new kids in the block, but let me tell you how God uses, you know, even though we're little, how God has used this ministry to touch, save, and totally transformed so many lives. I am a little slow. This is not my usual me, but please bear with me because, like he said, it was a, a really rough ride, but I'm here to the glory of God, so he's not through with me yet. We still have a lot of more work to do. I brought two books from Reverend John Ensor. He's my mentor, and he is a founder, and Jeannie Ireton and even David pretty much we were co-founders of Heartbeat of Miami because we were the first three people that started in this ministry. And uh, when, when John came, he visited two churches. And the first church was my church, and the second church was Palm Vista. And Jeannie, David, and myself, you know, we, with a whole bunch of other volunteers, we started this mission, this mission that, that is just doing so much in our community in a place what, that was bombarded with abortion uh, businesses and, and all this, this shedding of innocent blood right here in our backyard. And so our organization, Heartbeat of Miami Pregnancy Health Medical Clinics, opened the first clinic in 2007 and the second clinic in 2008. And now, and this is very confidential, and I ask for you to please keep it in prayer, we are moving our North Miami clinic right across the street from a Planned Parenthood because they have sold the building in North Miami and we have been forced to move. But as always, whatever um, happens, it happens for good, right? To those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And we have been called for that. And now He's putting us right there at the enemy's face. So we're going to need a few good men, just like yourselves. We're going to need a lot of prayer and a lot of support. I brought um, this, by the way, this move is probably going to take place within the next few days. And it has happened this fast. I brought you this newspaper because I want you to see how easy and how it just breaks my heart to see how people value life 
at $120 up to 22, 24, 26 weeks. And this is what a woman faces when she is in an unplanned pregnancy. When she feels like, you know, she has nowhere to go, but she has these little newspapers that advertise abortions with no pain. Who, those of you that speak Spanish, sin dolor, no pain, $180, $120 up to 22 weeks. And this newspaper is free. And these women, most of them, with very, with many, many needs, they live in the neediest areas of our community. You know, they don't have a place to go. They're being forced by a boyfriend or by a parent or by their husband to go and have an abortion. So when you hear about a women's choice, it's not really a women's choice. You know, God created women to bear children, to nurture and to love children, but unfortunately, the circumstances forced them to do something like this. And one of those women was Jeannie and Cindy and many women that might be sitting in our churches today because statistics say that one out of four women have had an abortion. So when you're at church and you look around, please have compassion because one out of four women in our surroundings have had an abortion. And I tell you that because through the courage of a woman like Cindy, like Pastor Al said, Jeannie came about. And, and I, I, I was talking to Cindy today, by the way, and she sends her love to all of you. And I told her, Cindy, today we're going to have the opportunity to speak to these men. Because, you see, Heartbeat of Miami not, is not only helping to rescue these babies, but we're also, the Lord has called us into this healing ministry of helping women overcome that pain of abortion. Because, you see, women that have had abortions and men that have been part of an abortion, they think that that is the unforgiven sin. That that's the sin that, that they cannot even talk about. Because, you see, sometimes we think that, that's, that Jesus did not really die for that sin. But Jesus died for all sins. And through his sovereign grace, you know, we are saved when we ask him for forgiveness. And his redeeming love forgives us of those sins. And that's when these women come to find that through forgiving and, uh, and asking for forgiveness, they are truly, truly <coughs> forgiven and set free. Mm -hmm. Did you receive the book, Pastor? No, I didn't. Oh. Not yet. It'll probably come tomorrow. Probably. Yeah, okay. right. I should have brought it. Yeah, right. Okay. I sent Pastor Al a book that is called Healing the Father's Heart. And Healing the Father's Heart deals with the same issue that a woman deals with abortion. Because... There are men that have bought an abortion, paid for an abortion, forced a woman to abort, and most of the time before Christ, but some even after Christ. Mm -hmm. Some on our own watch, people mm -hmm. that we now know. Mm -hmm. And also men that have been victims of an abortion. Men that their girlfriends or their wives had an abortion behind their back. And sometimes even men that marry a woman that has suffered through an abortion. Well, all of these people also fall into that category of one out of four. Now, if we stop to think about it and we just close our eyes for a moment, I guarantee you that you're going to think of someone 
that you personally know that has aborted or that has been involved in an abortion or someone in our own family that has aborted. So we might have nephews, nieces, cousins, brothers, sisters that, have, that are in heaven right now due to an abortion. Well, healing the Father's heart is that Bible study that I'm talking about. And, you know, we need men to stand up so that we can reach out not only to the people in our church that also need this type of healing, but the people out there. Do you know that a lot of women and men that have gone through an abortion, they don't feel like they can really step into a church? And if they are in church, they don't feel capable of conducting a Bible study or even a, a woman teaching Sunday school to children because I, and believe me, I, we've, we've known them, right, Jeannie? That they have come to us and say, I'm not worthy, I can't do this. I can't, what, what about if their mothers would know that I killed my own baby? And that's the burden that they carry. And we all know that that is a lie from the enemy, right? That is a lie from the enemy. Because to God, there's no exception of sin. He died for all of our sins. So this is what this ministry is also about. And perhaps you didn't know that. Perhaps you thought that it was, I mean, it's awesome that we are rescuing babies. But what about these souls, this, these people that are, that are hurting so bad, right? And that we know about them. So Heartbeat of Miami is really full circle. Let me tell you, when, when and Jeannie can talk more about uh, the abortion part and also about what they do at the clinics. But I'm going to tell you my part. My part is, you know, to knock on doors, to come and speak to people, to ask for your help, for your support, because God has given us all time, talent, and treasures, and they are all, he gives us that so that we can give it back to his people, to his kingdom. Amen? I'm going to pass, and Jeannie's going to talk a little bit about, but I'm going to pass these cards. Take a few, you know, share them with your Christian friends. And basically, this card, it says everything in a nutshell, okay? And it tells you, these are our actual pictures. If you're on Facebook, you can go on Heartbeat of Miami Pregnancy Help Medical Clinics and see all these beautiful pictures because, you know, the Lord says that by the fruit, you would know them. Amen? So this ministry definitely bears fruit. I am telling you. This is fertile ground. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> it is. And you know, we, we must be good stewards, right? But we have to sow where, where there is fertile ground. Because you know, not only the life of that baby is saved, but we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with each and every woman that steps in our clinics. And those women bring their, the baby's father, they bring their mom, their dad, and tell them, Jeannie. What happened? Well, we have a family thing going on at the clinic. I guess what I wanted to share was today I took a few moments and went back. We have some drawers where we have brochures because when the woman comes to the clinic, basically at that moment of her state of oftentimes being in shock, you know, we lose her sometimes because she just totally focuses on the issue that she's got before her and oftentimes that's going back to the reality. I mean, we're there with her, and we're telling her, guess what? 
you know, you can have this baby. We're going to support you. Whatever you need for your baby is here. But she's sitting there saying, oh, my God, i got to go home. i got to tell him. I'm going to tell my parents. So what we try to do is we try to empower her with putting literature in her hand. So when she leaves and, and she's in her safe place, she has time to read some of the things that we shared with her. Well, today I found three brochures that I had. And I was looking at one of them, and I was just reading this short little paragraph that said, for, when, for men and women alike, the emptiness, I'm sorry, the feeling of emptiness may last a lifetime, for parents are parents forever, even of a dead child. And it really impacted my heart to know that there are many men that are sitting in the waiting room that are wondering, oh my God, see, a lot of the women that come to the clinic oftentimes think that this may even be an abortion clinic. So the men that are out there, once these women, we bring them in by themselves because it's important to give them the confidentiality to be able to talk. So while they're out there, they really don't know what's going on inside right away. So, you know, I can't help but wonder how many are out there saying, oh my God, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm punking out. You know, why aren't I in there trying to save my kids? And so... What I feel the, the importance is we do need men that are going to be there. You know, if there's a guy, we, we've seen it happen. You know, they've come in when they realize, no, these people are offering her help to find out what's going on. We've had men who have walked into the clinic thinking that their young girlfriend is going to have an abortion. And when they see that baby on the ultrasound screen, they fall into their knees. And they said, oh, my God, you know, it has a heartbeat. It's alive. I can't do this, you know, what, what can I do to help you? So, you know, this is the other part where it's, you know, more and more men are really, I find, nowadays are often writing on the form, no, I want her to have this baby, she's the one who's unsure. And of course, you know, she's not married, she doesn't have the security, so she's really making the decision, but guess what, you know, he has to also be part of this decision. And I tell the girls this thing that, well, you know, he's leaving it up to me. I said, no. I said, you can't accept that he's leaving it up to you because this, you, this, this is not your decision alone. Let's go talk to him. So, I mean, there's just, you know, there's so much involved in this whole, in this whole uh, situation. And uh, I'm really excited that Palm Vista, you know, my church has men that, that want to stand up and want to say, okay, what do we need to do? We want to be a part of it. And, well, uh, and, and I told Martha this, that I, I, we prayed, and, and I just said, you know, Martha, just like there was a Cindy <clears throat> that day, and she shared a testimony and it turned things, I don't know, there may be a guy here, maybe tonight, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything like that, <laughs> come talk to me. Uh, maybe you have an experience in your background where either, you know, something happened before you were a believer or just something happened and, you know, you've got, you've got a guilty conscience. You, you, you're saying to me, you know, Al, that's me. Or in our church. And I'm just wondering, <clears throat> that kind of person is often the kind of person God delights Amen. in redeeming. Amen. And not yes, just right. redeeming. But then, like with Cindy, using them to start this whole new thing. That's right. Yeah. And what's the whole new thing? So here's the vision, guys. This is where, let's pray about it. This is one of the many things, okay? Let's pray about it, as David said. Um, they're looking to start Bible studies for men. They already have them for the ladies. So if a lady has had an abortion, there's a, there's a study she can go through. It's the gospel, guys, right? Because our consciences are going to condemn us 
but the gospel is greater than our conscience. So, but they want to start something for men. So it, it's you didn't even he didn't know this, but I asked the guys, hey, well, have you been volunteering? And he was saying, yeah, I've been thinking of doing stuff with heartbeat with the men. Okay, so we already got one man, Mr. Fabregas. I didn't know that, so I'm glad tonight happened. I know that. There may be a couple of you who say, hey, let me find out about it. Maybe I can give it a couple of nights. Maybe I can do it maybe in the fall or in the winter and do something. The point is, this is a ministry. This is a ministry to men who are impacted by abortion, Amen. right? Because they're as guilty as the ladies. Because it's not a woman's issue, right. only a woman's issue. It is not. This affects men, women. I mean, it affects parents, right. grandparents. Right. Yep. How many grandparents don't have oh babies in heaven? Oh and they had no control right. over what their daughter and, right. or their son or whatever. So this is a, a people issue. So what we're going to do, we're, and we're going to, we're going to end with this tonight. We were going to have uh, Dawn here from Children Battling Cancer, but she just texted me. And uh, she said that uh, actually they're at a function, and they thought it was going to be done. It started at 5, and it's gone late, okay? <laughs> So, but we'll have her uh, next week. But let's just take, I think this is the Lord. Let's just take a moment. Mm -hmm. Let's just, let's just pray. And you know what, guys? There's so many things we can do. There's so many things. Rescue missions, but this is one of them. So, if the Lord is putting it on your heart afterwards, you know, you can talk to me, you can talk to Martha, Jeannie, and, uh, but let's just conclude tonight praying for our city and particularly for this issue of abortion. And you know, Al, um, just so that you know, and since 2007 that we opened the first clinic, we have seen nearly 20,000 women. Think about that. Wow. Think about that. 20,000. Now, just think. Let's say that 55 to 60% are pregnant. Mm -hmm. Some, let's say they're not, mm -hmm. and they come because they're scared sure. or for right. information. 75% mm -hmm. of the women, pregnant or not, that walking through those doors are looking for an abortion. They are mm -hmm. abortion-minded or abortion-vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Of those that are pregnant, that are seeking an abortion, over 90% of them choose life. Yeah. This is, yeah. I mean... This is this going to the trash heaps in Rome and the pulling the kids off the trash heaps. Yes. What was that? Also, Jeannie asked me to, to remind, to, to speak about the decline. We have seen the statistics of abortions, and to God's glory, since Heartbeat of Miami, by all means, we're not taking all the credit. I'm just saying sure. what the statistics mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. Since Heartbeat of Miami came to existence in 2007, there has been a decline in abortions. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I, I said those that, are, that support this ministry mm -hmm. received in their, um, in their uh, fin final of year statement they received those statistics. Yeah. This is huge. Is huge. Yeah. Is Amen? Huge. So let's pray. There's a present need to help this one clinic move. If you can do that, great. Talk to yes, them. Lord. We must pray, and then let's just see what God does. Lord, thank you uh, for this evening, Lord. I, I know these guys are all hardworking men. They, they, many of them have gotten up very early today. Uh, but they're here because they, they want to follow you. They, 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 they love you, and you've saved them. They're so grateful. So, Lord, I pray that you would put it on our hearts now. Where, where are you calling us to serve? How can we serve this community? Because you care about justice and the poor and the helpless. And you rescue those that are on the trash heaps. And, and Lord, that, that's you. That's, you came to do that for us. And then you call us to do that. So, Lord, I pray for heartbeat. I pray for the move of the North Miami uh, Clinic. 
I pray for financial support. I pray for you to provide. I pray for these women. I pray for their families, their husbands, their children. You would protect them from the evil one, Lord. Deliver them from evil and the evil one, Lord. Oh, God, pour out your mercy. Lord, we, we work. We work and we reach out because you came and you reached out to us. So, Lord, we just, we just say now, may your will be done, your kingdom come. Lord, and if there are a few men in our church that secretly have been suffering with the guilt of an abortion, yes, perhaps they've never told anybody. Yes, they paid for one. They forced someone to have one. Lord, would you set them free? Yes, the Lord. gospel sets us free. It sets us free. And then redeem it and use them to set others free, Lord. But that's my prayer. You're, you're sovereign in this, but that's my yes, prayer. Yes, Lord. So we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Guys, thank you for coming out tonight. The ladies will be here for a little bit. Um, if you want to, if you want any more questions or whatever, yeah. And uh, thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. And chaos did not bark much. There's a huge dog right behind me, and everyone's.